Star Wars 7x7 episode 1297 today. The biggest challenge facing Star Wars now, in my opinion, is the lack of romance in the Star Wars movies. And I'm going to talk about that and also talk about a very significant milestone that Star Wars 7x7 has just achieved. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Mike and Joe from the Cantina Cast. And you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod. And I want to start off immediately by introducing a caveat to this, which is to say that in regard to Rogue One, I'm very glad that they did not introduce a romantic element to it, even though it certainly looked like there were opportunities for them to have gone that way. I mean, think of Cassian and Jin riding that elevator, riding that lift down to the beach before everything went up in flames. Like, the two of them in very close quarters and looking very meaningfully at each other, they could have just started making them right then and there, honestly. Like, the scene was set up where that certainly could have happened. And for all we know, there's a take or two out there where they were doing just that. Their embrace on the beach is anything but romantic. It's more about companionship the fellowship that comes from a shared and very intense mutual experience. I mean, they could have gone all Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves speed-like with them and had something happen there at the end, but I'm really glad they didn't. So, yeah, Rogue One, I think, stands apart, and I would prefer not to include them in this discussion. I'm talking about the saga movies in specific. And this line of thinking was inspired by the Last Jedi Visual Dictionary by Paulo Hidalgo and DK Publishing. And thanks again, DK Publishing. Really appreciate you sending me the book. So the section on Finn talks about the last thing he recalls seeing before being plunged into unconsciousness was Rey being threatened by Kylo Ren. First Order training psych logs not allowing for such deep personal loyalties would clinically describe Finn's behavior as, quote, imprinting, unquote. He knows it to be something deeper. And that's as much as they say about that. They don't say, oh, what does this mean? Like, is it that he actually cares for her physically, romantically, anything like that? We don't get that from here. And certainly the hug that they shared at the end of The Last Jedi, I would say, falls in the same category of the hug that Jin and Cassian share at the end of Rogue One. It is really more about the intensity of the mutually shared experience and the fact that they have been apart for so long so that they haven't had a chance to reconcile the mutually shared intense experience of that last showdown on Starkiller Base between them and Kylo Ren. And then a few pages later in the section on Poe Dameron, yeah, Oscar Isaac's smoldering Poe Dameron, there's a notation here for a ring necklace. It says, Poe wears the wedding ring of his late mother, Shara Bay, on a necklace, waiting to share it someday with the right partner, quote-unquote. Notice that that is significantly non-gendered. Like, he doesn't say share it someday with the right woman. He doesn't say share it someday with the right man or share it someday with the right... Uh, I don't know what the non-gendered, non-species specific (laughs) term would be, you know, with the right being, I guess, perhaps. Pablo is very straightforward and very neutral about this. So clearly he's leaving the door open for it to be defined in the future. And as we all know, 
fans absolutely love trying to define these potential possibilities. I mean, you know, Finn and Poe were one of the big ones. Of course, there's Ray and Finn, naturally, was also one of the big ones that came out of The Force Awakens. There were people who were trying to ship Ray and Kylo Ren within The Force Awakens, and that actually led to a lot of complaints on the one hand about potentially abusive relationships, and I guess on the other hand, it wasn't so much about that. It was actually trying to get past a male-dominated way of viewing the relationship and looking for different ways you could actually see their interactions, not you know, not talking about the torture scenes, talking about other scenes and other ways they interacted. And certainly The Last Jedi added fuel to those particular shipping tendencies. And I've talked about the fact on the podcast that Poe and Rey were supposed to have a bit of a meet-cute at the end of The Force Awakens, and it's in the novelization, it's not in the script, but it happens at the end of The Last Jedi, and it has a slightly different meaning to it in The Last Jedi, because Rey has more of a reason to have a reputation of not being just no one by the end of The Last Jedi, and by the end of all of her actions and activities there. So when Daisy Ridley says, I'm Rey, at the end of The Last Jedi, and Poe goes, I know, you know, there's that typical smolder because really Poe Dameron needs to be hooking up with someone, I think, <laughs> to be honest with you. But it's not just about that. There is actually story reason for him to be saying that in relation to Rey's overall character development through The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And I guess technically speaking, then, I'm not sure really exactly how this works anymore, but I think that the movies are considered canon and the novels are considered canon as far as they don't contradict what happens on screen. So therefore, the scene with Poe and Rey meeting in The Force Awakens novelization would be non-canon technically because the way they meet in The Last Jedi suggests that they've never met before and that would be undone by what happened in The Force Awakens novelization. So that can't be canon. That just has to be somebody else's way of telling the story. And of all the shipping options that have been posited by fandom, probably one of the ones I was most surprised to encounter was the fact that since The Last Jedi has debuted, there is a Kylo Ren Armitage Hux shipping situation that's happening out there that is apparently very popular as well. So what I want to bring up with all of this and discussion with you is the fact that this is really telling us that the fandom desperately wants romance in the Star Wars saga movies, and they are not getting it. And this is a bit of a problem, you might say. From a certain point of view, maybe. I mean, Lucasfilm can look at $1.2 billion at the box office worldwide and say, shipping? Eh, maybe not so much, because it doesn't seem to have hurt their numbers whatsoever. But... That being said, let's talk about the one movie that, globally speaking, no matter what list you look at, how many times this has been done over the last decade, okay, what movie always comes up as the best Star Wars movie of all time? It is, of course, The Empire Strikes Back. And of all the Star Wars movies, it is the only one with some seriously believable and solid romantic elements to it. 
and there's an actual build to it, right? I mean, it starts out with Han and Leia all frosty to each other, and then it explodes into this bickering situation, and then there's the smugness and the attitude, and suddenly, oh yeah, the chemistry is just overflowing, boiling, right? This is awesome. It is absolutely awesome, and it is not present in any other Star Wars movie. It's not present in Return of the Jedi, like, that chemistry is not really there. And it's not a knock on Return of the Jedi, it's just, you know, the chemistry has almost been consummated in its way. When Leia rescues Han out of the thing, and it's you know, someone who loves you, right? Like, we know, okay, it's locked in, right? The whole, you know, firestorm of anticipation just isn't there anymore. Meanwhile, the only other movie that really has anything that you could describe as a romantic element to it in the Star Wars saga is Attack of the Clones. And that movie, <laughs> let's talk about it, that movie routinely winds up as second to last or dead last in the list of favorite movies of Star Wars fans, right? And I gotta tell you, I have softened in my take on Attack of the Clones over the years. Like, when I saw it, and particularly the scenes with Anakin and Padme on Naboo, you know, I knew that they had to get together because that's what the story demanded, right? So I knew it was going to happen, and it just, everything about those scenes felt forced, it felt awkward, it just, it felt like it was, you know, everything we talk about with George Lucas not necessarily being the greatest quote-unquote writer of dialogue, you know, it felt all of that. But in thinking back on it over the years, I've reflected back on journals that I kept when I was a teenager, and oh my gosh, it is embarrassing. It is so embarrassing to look back at the stuff that I was writing about as a teenager. Anything, like, romantically involved, oh gosh, I just, my skin crawls at how awful and awkward it was. But at the time, at the time I was writing it, like, oh, it felt like I was super expressive and incredibly poetic about <laughs> what I was trying to describe going on inside me. And I look at the scene with Anakin and just, you know, he's losing his mind because, oh my gosh, Padme, right? And it's everything that I rediscovered about my teenage writing, and no wonder I hated watching it on screen because it was just so close to home, ultimately. But when you get right down to it with Attack of the Clones, you know, they have that scene, and it's all awkward and whatnot, and the rest of it getting them to the point of saying, okay, we're actually going to get together and get married and whatnot, there wasn't anything really done very well with it at all. Like, there's no there's no romantic development. It's just like suddenly Padme decides, you know what, I'm going to go along with this. And she does. And that's about it. So that is the state of romance in Star Wars. And it's a very limited pedigree. And we want it as fans, which is where the shipping thing comes in. Finn and Poe, Finn and Rey, Finn and... Kylo, I don't know, you know, whatever you want to think of, we want to see romance in Star Wars, and we're not getting it, and, you know, the whole Ray kylo thing, like, the intimacy and whatnot there, like, that was tantalizing, but we know it's not going to happen, we need an honest-to-goodness, strong romance for Episode Nine. This is my very strong wish for J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio as they are working on Episode Nine. Give us 
a credible romantic situation. And I promise you, if you can do that along with making a decent movie, then Episode Nine will leap into the top ranks of the Star Wars pantheon of movies. Period. Paragraph. End of story. That's my take on it, at least. I don't think I'm alone in this regard, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it, too. Hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash SW7X7, or just search Star Wars 7X7, that's how it's spelled, on your Facebook app, and let's talk more about it. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I've got a very big milestone with Star Wars 7x7 to share with you and to thank you for, and I'll talk about that after the break. Stay tuned. Hey Rebel Rouser, if you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous 5-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do. So please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. So, Star Wars 7x7, for those of you who have not been here along for the whole journey, started back on July 7th of 2014. So, I've been doing this for three and a half years now, and... Man, there were a lot of months where there were only 100 downloads a day, 200 downloads a day, right? It was a long time. It wasn't until Celebration Anaheim in 2015 in April where the numbers started to hockey stick up. And on Saturday, on January 20th, so a little more than three and a half years from the start of the podcast... We crossed 1 million downloads of the podcast. 1 million, which is ridiculous. It's another one of those situations where, you know, if you had told me on July 7, 2014, someday you'll have had a million episodes of Star Wars 7x7 downloaded by people in more than 130 countries around the world, I would have said, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, it would have been impossible for me to wrap my head around back <laughs> on that first day when I launched with four podcasts in the bank on iTunes. Or the mornings where I'm waking up going, oh my gosh, episode 100 went live today. Episode 500 went live today. Episode 1000 went live today. And episode 1300 is going live. And it's kind of like, ah. <laughs> You know, it's not as big of a of a deal because I hit a thousand. Like, you know, the next milestone is really fifteen hundred or maybe two thousand. You know, it's still amazing, astonishing. It seems insane to think that I've been doing this daily for nearly four years now. But it doesn't happen in isolation because of you, because of the fact that you want a daily dose of Star Wars joy in your life. That is why this podcast is possible. That is why it exists. That is why it has existed all the way up past episode 1300 and more. Why it's going to continue to go on. Why it's existed past a million downloads and more. I am so thrilled that you have said yes to this daily dose of Star Wars joy in your life. I'm truly and deeply humbled by it, and I'm so grateful to you for helping Star Wars 7x7 reach this milestone of a million downloads. And I just wanted to say that to you before I put this podcast to bed, because it 
is <laughs> it is up past its bedtime. It is quarter after 1 a.m. on Sunday the 21st, actually, and this episode is scheduled to go live at 3 a.m. Eastern. I've got an hour and 45 minutes to wrap it up, and so I think that's what we're going to do right now and call it a podcast. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you fire at will, Commander, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not just fully armed and operational, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.